I have one brother, he's younger than I am, and uh, I always thought that my parents were more strict on me than they were Alan. I could ask my mom and dad, hey, would it be all right if I stay out a little bit later tonight? Uh, some friends are doing something after the football game. No, nothing good happens after 6.30. You be home by then. And so I would be in the bed, covers pulled up to my you know, son still streaming in through the window, but I would be in on time. I could come in and ask, hey, would it be all right if I wore this to church and I have a pair of jeans on? No, you get back there and you put that tuxedo back on. And so I would go back. My brother could come in and say, hey, can I, can I run up and down the street naked? Son, do it. Do whatever you want to do. It didn't matter because I always thought that my mom and dad were more strict on me than they were my younger brother. And by your own raising of hands, most of you think the same way. How many of you who are the youngest born in your family feel guilty about all the ways that your parents treated you better than their older brothers and sisters? That's what I figured. Molly, who takes care of herself, is the only one. Well, we have a family dynamic in the story that we're going to look at today where the younger son, youngest son at that time, was favored. It, it was a, a known fact. It was flat out stated, hey, this, this son is the favorite. And so would you open your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 39. I want us to look at a brief scene from the life of Joseph. As you're turning there, I want to give you some background. Joseph, at the time that... that um, he was, he was born, had ten older brothers. But his father loved Joseph more than all of the other brothers. In fact, even to show it, he didn't even try to hide his favoritism. He gave Joseph a really fancy robe that none of the other brothers had. And so Joseph kind of enjoyed that favored status. One day, his dad, because he trusted Joseph more than all of the others sent Joseph to bring back a report on the brothers. They had some scenes in their lives where they were not honorable and were not men of character, but Joseph always had been. And so while the older brothers were out watching over the flocks, the dad said, Joseph, why don't you just, just go make sure that they are not getting into trouble? And so Joseph went to find them and went to, to get a report to bring back to his dad. But when his older brothers saw him coming, they said, this is our chance. We hate him. Dad loves him, but we hate him. He always gets bigger portions at meals. He's got that robe. He's even wearing it right now. Let's kill him. And then the oldest brother, Reuben, said, no, 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 we can't kill him. No, let's sell him into slavery. What compassion. He said, we can't kill him. We'll just sell him. And so some people came and bought Joseph, took him down into Egypt where he was sold as a slave. But because of Joseph's devotion to the Lord, he prospered no matter what the circumstances were. No, ma no matter how many times he was knocked down, Joseph got right back up. And he continued prospering even in the 
position of being a slave. Well, I want us to look at a scene where Joseph now is kind of doing very well for himself despite the, the circumstances that he was in. Beginning in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 39, here's what God's Word tells us. Now, Joseph had been taken to Egypt... An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, now Pharaoh's the king of Egypt, and the captain of the guards bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master. And became his personal attendant. So, so even though he was a slave, Joseph was given a great deal of privilege and responsibility. In fact, the next sentence says, Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in his house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. After some time, his master's, looked long, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, Sleep with me. But he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil, and how could I sin against God? Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Now one day he went into the house to do his work, and none of the household servants were there. She grabbed him by, the, by his garment and said, Sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. Now the story continues on later, and you can read that, but for the purposes of today's message, that section is really what we need to look at. This morning I would like for us to explore some various ways, some strategies that you and I can use when we are tempted to do what is wrong. What do we do when we are confronted with cutting a few corners at work and maybe making a little bit more money? What do we do when we're in school and the teacher isn't watching and we think we could see the answers on the other person's paper? What do we do when we have messed up and the temptation to tell something that isn't true would make us look better than being honest and saying, well, I, I just messed up. What do we do when we are confronted with temptation? When, when temptations come our way, how can we stay pure? This scene in Joseph's life gives us some ideas about what we can do in particular and specific tempting situations. Before we get into that, though, I want to say something that I think is really important for us, and I'll keep reminding us as long as I'm here. The lessons that we are going to learn today are only helpful for people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible isn't a self-help book. It isn't a book for, for anyone in the world to read and say, well, you know what, I think I'm just going to start living that way. I think I'm going to start doing that. The message of the Bible is that living the way that God wants us to not only is difficult, it's absolutely impossible 
unless Jesus saves us and makes us right with him. And so uh, no one can just read through the Bible and say, well, you know what, I, I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to do that. And no one in the building today can take a few notes and say, you know, I face some temptations at work and I face some difficulties at school. Maybe this will help me. The principles will help you if you have a relationship with Jesus. If you've come to a point in your life when you recognize God, I'm incomplete without you. I am ruined. I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. And I don't have any hope of being right with you on my own. I just can't do it. And so I'll surrender myself to you. And through your son's death on the cross, you'll forgive me of those sins. And through the power of the resurrection, you'll give me the ability to live the way that you want me to. For those people... These principles today will be really helpful. If you aren't one of those people, if you're someone who says, well, now, Gary, I am, I'm not sure that I have a personal relationship with Jesus. What you have just described to me is something that I'm not sure that I have. I, I do try to do what is right, but it seems like you're saying that's not enough. That's exactly what I'm saying, that trying to do right is not enough. It is only through a personal encounter with Jesus that the words of Scripture are helpful to us. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at some specific ideas that Joseph used in this tempting situation. Joseph began to prosper. Potiphar purchased him from the Ishmaelite traders who had brought him to Egypt as a slave. And Joseph began handling his responsibilities very well. If, if he was working in the field, then his rows were straight and, his, and the weeds were gone. Whatever Joseph did, he did well. And Potiphar said, that's not just a common, ordinary laborer. He's got abilities. He has capacity. He has capabilities. I'm going to promote him. And so Joseph became somewhat of a household manager. And he did so well in that position that Potiphar said, look, I trust you. Everything in my house, you just take care of it. And so Joseph did. Well, because of that position, Joseph began spending more time inside the house than out of the house. And Potiphar's wife said, that's a really good-looking young man. And he's in a vulnerable position. He's away from home. He really doesn't have any attachment to anybody. Maybe some affection would be appealing to him. And so she said, Joseph, why don't we sleep together? And he said, no, I can't do that. And she continued what the Bible says is day after day after day after day, she appealed to him, and Joseph continued to say no. What can we learn from Joseph's example that will be helpful to us when we face tempting situations? First, we need to nurture a strong, dynamic, flourishing relationship with God. Did you see how pervasive this theme was through the 12 verses that we read? Look in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3, when his master saw that the Lord was with him. If you drop down into ver the middle part of verse 5, the Lord's blessing was on all that he owned because of Joseph. All the way through this passage, Joseph and his strong relationship with God was evident. And so the heart of our being able to say no to temptation is a deeply loving relationship with God. The more we love God, 
the less and less we want to do what displeases Him. The more we love God, the more that we are full of love for God, the less we want to do anything that dishonors Him. And so Joseph did have some other strategies, but what I really want to hammer on is that more, more, perhaps more important than all of the others was that Joseph's relationship with God was really, really strong. In fact, later... When, when, Joseph, when Joseph's words are recorded about his, his resisting this temptation, in the last sentence of verse 9, Joseph said, So how could I do this immense evil, and how could I sin against God? He said, I really want to please God. God has protected me. God has watched over me. I could have been killed the moment that I was down here. I could have been sold into incredibly hard labor. God is watching out for me, and I want to please him. How could I do this wrong? No, this would be against God. And so for you and for me, when we are thinking about the various temptations that we face at school, at work, in families, whatever the context might be, the more deeply in love with Jesus we are, the less we will want to do what is wrong because we'll want to please him. Now, let me use this as an example. Suppose that someone here, there, there's one of our, our teenage boys, and he decides that he has fallen in love with a girl. And so he sees this as an answer to prayer before the school year began. He said, God, please. Please let this be the year that I get a girlfriend. I don't want to go to the prom with my cousin from Millport again. Please, Lord. Now, she's a great kisser, but still, if there's any way that we could just do that. And so he falls, into, falls in love with a girl. And then they begin dating, and they go through college and, and graduate, and then they get married. He will want to stay true to his marriage vows. And so perhaps he, he and she will agree to some rules. Hey, here are some of the things that we're going to do. We're going to, be, we're going to set limits on our social media. In fact, we're going to set some limits on our phones, and, and we're going to do this, and we're going to protect our marriage this way. And I would be in favor of every one of those limits, but at the heart of their desire to keep their marriage strong is loving each other. The more deeply they love each other, the less likely their eyes are to wander. The more committed, the more deeply devoted to each other they are, the less likely they are to, to want to break that commitment and say, I think I'm going to try something with someone else. If you would really like to, be able to say no to temptation. If you'd really like to be able to elevate your conduct and behavior so that you don't continue to fall into the same traps over and over. Right at the beginning, I would say, nurture a deeply loving relationship with God. Because the more you love Him, the less you will want to do anything that dishonors or displeases him. And that's what we see here with Joseph. But there are some other ideas here. First, uh, or second, uh, after that, after working on your relationship with God, we need to think about the consequences of sin. We need to use our reason and see 
what the, what the results of those wrong actions would be. Look at what Joseph said here. After this woman continued to pursue him and, and try to get him to compromise, verse 8 says, But he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, With me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. Joseph said, You must think that I am crazy. I... I have gotten out of some really hard labor. Slaves in Egypt, especially Israelite slaves, Hebrew slaves, do not enjoy protection. They do not enjoy great standing. If, if I do this wrong and I am discovered to have done this wrong, what is going to happen to me? All that God has given me, this place in this house, this position, now I don't have to work in the fields the way that I used to. If I do this wrong, and then I am caught, I am going to pay a terrible price. And so when you and I face temptations, we need to think through what will the consequences be when I am caught. Not if I am caught. The number of times that we have seen high-profile people who have lost everything because of their compromises should remind us there's not anybody skilled enough always to get away with it. Now, the devil will try to convince us that we are. The devil will whisper to us, you're going to be the one person in history who's not going to pay a price for this decision. You, you are smarter, you are slicker, you are more cunning than everybody else. Yes, coaches have lost their jobs. Yes, politicians have lost their careers. Yes, these people have lost everything. But you won't. When we hear that deception, we need enough reason to think through the situation that the way that Joseph did. To say, when I am caught, when this comes to light, when I am discovered, here is all that I stand to lose. Thinking about the consequences of the decision often will pull us back and keep us from doing what is wrong. I wish that I could tell you that every time I have faced a tempting situation... I've always thought, oh, no, 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 I, I want to honor the Lord. I'm not going to do that. I wish that I could tell you that every time that was what was on my mind most, I'll be completely honest with you. There are times when I have not done what is wrong because of the words of Jesus, what you do in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. And what you whisper that you think no one hears what you do in the dark, everybody will know about in the light. And Joseph, way back in the Old Testament, already had that principle in his mind. And he said, if I do this, when I get caught, all of these things that I have just listed, I will lose. I want you to think about what you could lose. 
your job, your family, respect of people who really matter to you. The consequences of sin are never easy. And if we could think on the front end about what we will experience on the back end, we'll make better decisions. And so Joseph, first of all, had a really strong relationship with God. He wanted to live the way that God wanted him to. He thought about the consequences. He said, I don't want to pay that price, and so, so I'm not going to do it. Third, Joseph took responsibility for his own actions. If you read with me in the last uh, sentence of verse 9, so how could I do this immense evil? And how could I sin against God? Joseph not one time said to her, how could you ask me to do this? How dare you? You, you? you are trying to get me to do what is wrong. Joseph was man enough to say, if I do it, I am responsible for it. How many times have you moms and dads been talking with your children about something that they did wrong, but, but, they, but, but what she, but what they, I did it, but it's somebody else's fault. I don't know if you ever watch any television in the afternoon. Sometimes, I mainly go to the YMCA early in the mornings downtown. But sometimes I, I have to go in the afternoons. And those programs in the afternoons, they need to be called the blame hour. Because everybody there who has made a mess of their lives, it's their mama's fault, their daddy's fault, their husband's fault, their ex-husband's fault, their brother's fault. It's somebody else's fault. Joseph said, if I do this, it's my fault. There's not one person in this room, including me, that has ever made a choice that was someone else's fault. We decided, I decided, you decided. And so Joseph said, look, I, I feel the pressure. I know what you're telling me. I hear the appeal, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand on my own character, my own integrity. I will not do what is wrong. We have to take responsibility for our actions. And knowing that sometimes can help us not do what is wrong because we know I don't have anybody to blame for this. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation, I am responsible for the choices that I make and you're responsible for the choices that you make. Fourth, I think it's important to see that Joseph didn't even allow one exception. In this thought process, he did not say, just this once, God, you know I am incredibly lonely. I've not had anyone love me since I left home. I've been, I've been here in Egypt. I'm alienated. No one shares my values. There's no one that I can talk with about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, I don't have any heart-to-heart -heart talks with anyone. God, you know these circumstances, and I know that it's wrong, but I think that, that just this one time, it will be okay. Have you ever found yourself in that position? Thinking, I know it's wrong, but... 
because of the unusual nature of my situation or circumstances, because, because of something unique about what I'm facing right now. I know that it is wrong. I know that I shouldn't, but I think God will be okay with it just this once. Joseph would not even allow the one time. He wouldn't even say, with all of this going on, with, with everything, God, surely God would understand how, how much it means for, for someone to care about me. Not even one exception. The last thought that I want you to see here is that Joseph fled the situation. She kept pursuing him, Potiphar's wife did. She kept after him over and over and over and over. And then the Bible says one day there in verse 11, he went into the house to do his work and none of the household servants were there, perhaps by design. Maybe she had told, maybe Potiphar's wife had said, look, everybody else leave the house today. We don't know that. The Bible doesn't say that, but it does seem a little odd that Joseph's the only person who showed up for work that day. And so Joseph goes in and no one else is in the house. And she grabbed him. Now she's not just appealing. Now she's grabbing. Grabbed him by his garment and said, sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. Joseph perhaps recognized a couple of things. One, his own desires. I mean, he's a young man, but the Bible says he's probably about 17 years old at this time. He has probably an attractive woman. Potiphar, a leading official, probably married someone attractive. And so Joseph, perhaps recognizing, I don't know if I'm strong enough to say no, left the situation, left the house leaving even his garment behind. She's, she has a tight enough grip on him that he can't get his garment away. He has to come out of it, and he leaves the house. But then he also recognized it's just her word against mine. I've got to get out of here. I would not pretend in any way to say that in work or school contexts or other places where you are tempted, where I am tempted, it's just as easy as saying, well, I'm quitting. I'll find another job. Or I'm, I'm moving to another school. But what I would say is that one of the biblical principles for living a pure life is as best as we are able Avoid the particular pressure points where we know we are tempted. So you can't quit work. Is there any way you can get with another group at work or school? I don't, I don't have the easy answers for all of the specific ways that you can do that. I'm just saying that what the Bible says is sometimes when the temptation continues to mount, you just have to get out of the situation. To say, I'm not strong enough to keep saying no, and I recognize that, and so I have to get out of here. And so that's what Joseph did. Now that we all have heard what God's Word tells us, what James chapter 1, verse 22 says, is that we aren't to be people who only hear. We are to be people who do. Philip's going to come and lead us in a closing song of commitment today. And I want to suggest a couple of different ways that you may want to respond. First, 
It may be that there are some people who said, Gary, what you said at the very beginning of this message about the Bible is only helpful as a guide for people who have surrendered to Jesus. I haven't done that. I am a churchgoer. I, I enjoy being here, but I can't point to anything specific that says, yes, I belong to Jesus Christ, and I'm interested in discovering how I can begin following him. I'll be standing right here at the front for just a moment. If you would like to, to ask some questions about that, I'd love to talk with you about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus.